the Fertility Podcast is here to help you understand more about your fertility and for the last eight years has published a lot of conversations with experts and people sharing their stories. It's now going back to its roots, giving you people's lived experiences once again to give you comfort in knowing there's a community of people who get it so you find commonality, be inspired and know you're not alone. Started by me, Natalie Silverman, a former patient, once I was pregnant after fertility treatment, I later joined forces with Kate Davis, an independent fertility nurse consultant, who is now your host. And here she is. Hi, how are you? I'm actually quite pleased to sit down and have a bit of a rest because I've had a busy couple of weeks since the last episode. We've been, um, for the last few months, of juggling house renovations and work. Um, we've had a new kitchen put in and, at the moment, a lovely outdoor kitchen at the end of the garden. And to be honest, I've really enjoyed it. It's been really exciting. But I am looking forward to not having to think about where plug sockets need to go. And if you've had house renovations yourself, you'll know exactly what I mean by that. And also, as well as the day job, I've been teaching a lot of yoga this last week. I've been um, involved in a yoga retreat, as well as teaching my normal menopause yoga class. Um, So yeah, so I have to say I'm feeling a little bit stiff in the shoulders. And before I sat down to record this today, I thought I'm just going to have a little listen back to the last episode, which was Amy talking mindfulness. And normally, I, to be honest, I don't listen back. I don't particularly like the sound of my own voice. But I wanted to have a listen to Amy because it's been a while since I'd heard it. And she offered up some tips on mindfulness practice. And I'm really intrigued to know, you know, how many of you have tried it? Have you have you given it a go? If you haven't listened yet to that episode, do go back. You'll find it wherever you find your, your podcast, obviously. Um, so go back and have a listen. And it's just, it was interesting talking to Amy and hearing about how mindfulness practice can support your fertility journey. And I always talk with my patients about having and developing a really good support strategy to help you through your fertility journey. And it's never just one thing. So mindfulness could be one of the options, but there can be other things. So you might consider acupuncture, for example, or reflexology. Uh, You might look for professional help. So it's having that strategy there in front of you that you can dip into for different times of your fertility journey. So when when you need certain aspects, and I think that's really useful. Another one that I know a lot of you do or might even be thinking about doing is journaling. So journaling is another aspect of a support strategy that you could add. Um, and it's it's gained kind of popularity over recent years. And actually journaling is part of the topic of this week's guest chat. We're going to be talking to the lovely Martha from Martha Brook, London. And also we're talking about her long fertility journey, but also how she used journaling as one of her support strategies. So let's get Martha in to chat. Hi, Martha. Welcome to the Fertility Podcast. Hello. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, I have to say, I was completely gobsmacked and overwhelmed when you when you agreed. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I was so excited. I think I was jumping around my kitchen going, I can't believe I'm going to talk to Martha. This is amazing. So for those of you that 
may not have come across Martha, but however, I think a lot of people already have. Martha is from Martha Brook Stationery. I absolutely love Martha Stationery. I have been purchasing it for a long time and I'm very lucky to have lots of gifts of Martha Stationery as well. But Martha is a self-confessed stationery addict. And to be honest, Martha, I think I completely agree with you on that one. I am a sucker for a pretty journal or a notebook. I really am. Um, and your products are absolutely gorgeous. So before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of why we're talking today, I'd love to hear a bit more about the origins of your business. Oh, thank you. Well, you are you are too kind, but no, I really appreciate that. And it's so nice. Um, you know, it's so nice to be here. So my business scarily started 10 years ago this autumn, which is really quite crazy. Uh, before then, I had a very different life. I worked for a large healthcare company, but I've always been creative. I've always, I've always, always been obsessed with stationery. I was that person that wanted to go back to schools just so I could go and do my annual stationery haul. And I've always had a passion for paper goods and and creating things. And I, I hit thirty ten years ago, so I have had a milestone birthday this week, which has been interesting. And I, I, and my dad became quite ill around that time. And I, I had this moment of thinking, you know, life is short. You know, you have to really follow your follow your heart and and your passions. And I'm a great believer in trying things. And if they don't work, you can try something else. And a great believer in, in really following your, your dreams. So I had quite a senior corporate job at the time. And I um, took a week of work. I, I wrote a business plan and I, I came in and handed my resignation letter into what was the kind of vi- my boss, who was the vice president of this part of the business. And I think he was slightly horrified <laughs> when I told him I was starting a stationery business. But the, the name Martha Brook comes from my first name, Martha, combined with Brook from Brook Green in West London, which is where we were living at the time. And it deliberately sounds personal because that's what I set out to do to create a more personal, relatable stationery brand. And anyone who follows us on our Social channels will hopefully see that a lot of our products come from my personal experiences or things that I think would really help other people. They're very much designed to empower and inspire people. They don't just look pretty, you know, they have a purpose to them. And and I really have been overwhelmed by the, the reaction to what we do. And it started out just being me in my bedroom. And now I have a brilliant team. A couple of years ago, we opened a studio in Australia and we ship our stationery. I think probably we've shipped about half a million items of stationery now all around the world, just to give you a sense of the scale of it. Amazing. And I love it. I absolutely love what we do. And I think the thing I love most is that we really genuinely you know, help people. And the messages we get from our community really is the thing that keeps me going. Because as anyone knows who runs a business, it's not always easy, but it's definitely incredibly rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And running a business isn't easy, but like you, I'm incredibly lucky to have a rewarding business as well and wouldn't want to do anything else. So I can completely understand that motivation. So the reason why I reached out to you is that after a long journey with IVF, you had conceived. So tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, thank you. So I... Actually, do I do have a daughter who is um, coming up to coming up to being six, and she is also an IVF baby. And then we've had a lot of difficulties trying to have a second a second baby, which you, you all have seen, Kate. So I've had since her six rounds of IVF and four miscarriages, and I ha- it's been oh, I have to say the last few years have been really really hard. And I've you know it's not something I've shared at all publicly. 
it's been something that's been very private to me and I think I decided I wanted to talk about my experience because I think that it's something that many women do go through silently without people knowing about it and I feel incredibly lucky to have got pregnant again and it's, it's been a very emotional because my my father died um in the autumn of last year and this was our last chance IVF it was the sixth round the seventh round overall but sixth round um trying for a second baby and it went the embryo went in just the three days after he died and gosh and it was a very very emotional time and I thought this is kind of my last chance and for it to be the one that hung around just seems so impossible and I really thought I was heading for a fifth miscarriage because it looked it was looking in the early days like it was a bit small but somehow it's it's hung on in there and I don't know whether it's the spirit of my dad but I'm now six months pregnant so I feel very 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 lucky to to be at this point um and as you know, it's my my journey has led to uh, the creation of a product which I hope will help other people, which I'm sure we'll come to talk about soon. Mm. But the reason I, the reason I've had to have IVF, which I didn't know um, for many many years, in fact eighteen years before I was diagnosed, is that I have endometriosis. So I think I'm sure many people who listen to this podcast will relate to this. But for a long time, probably from about the age of thirteen, I had extremely um, heavy, painful periods to the point where they really did affect, really, really did take over my whole life. You know, my whole life was dictated by my monthly cycle. And, you know, for many years, I was just told it's just you, you know, it's just, just part of you, you need to get on with it, <laughs> which I, I, I really, really feel quite angry about now when I look back and I think, God, all those years when I... Absolutely. I completely agree with you. It really makes me cross that women are told to put up and shut up when it comes to... Oh, completely. Yeah. Oh, completely. And I I, I think it affects, it affects so much of your life as well. You know, I, I actually you know, the best thing about being pregnant is I don't have periods. Yeah. And I was thinking about this the other day, I actually think I'm, a, I'm the best version of me now because I don't have this monthly cycle that really controls my whole life. And it's, which is a strange, a strange thing to say, but you know, it's probably about a week every month that I feel normal. But you know, so many years I I I, I struggled with this. You know, I was severely anemic. I had a lot of pain. I had problems with my bowel. Um, you know, I was having colonoscopies because I couldn't work out what was wrong. And you know, I was I was off. You know, I'd, I'd have times when you know I'd have, you know really struggled. And I did. I I never. It was, I was always told that was just. I have was I got any referral for it. I was always told that was just me. And then it wasn't until I got married to my husband um, in two thousand and eleven we started trying to we always knew we wanted a family I'm one of four girls um he's one of five boys so we knew that we wanted a family we always thought we want quite a lot of children and we couldn't get pregnant and then you know two years passed three years passed and I started to think well maybe something's not right here and it really wasn't and probably until four or five years after we got married that I got finally got the referral that you know, it was probably should have been happened 18 years earlier, really, oh, to a brilliant consultant. I have to say, I feel so lucky to have met him. He works in the NHS in um, fertility and he also and works privately. And he actually ended up doing all of my IVF. Uh, but initially, when I saw him, he was, you know, did all the usual investigations, you know, all the fallopian tubes and all, you know, all your things. Um, and I had a laparoscopy and hysteroscopy. And I had that I was riddled with endometriosis. It you know, wrapped around my bowel, which is the what was causing me all the problems. It wrapped around one of my ovaries. Mm. Um, I had all in my abdomen, you know, a lot of scarring, a lot of lesions in parts of me that basically meant that it was killing off 
you know, it's killing off anything that kind of came in. It was impossible for me to conceive naturally. I mean, he managed to clear a lot of it out, but he said he, he and then, and then, you know, left me for years if I get pregnant. And then when I didn't, he said, I, I just don't think you'll ever be able to get pregnant naturally. That's just. And what, and what did that feel like being told that you couldn't conceive? What, what did that, because that, that is a devastating diagnosis, isn't it? So what did that feel like? As somebody that has, you know, I, I was always, you know, very academic at school, you know, I went to, you know, Cambridge University and I, I've always had this mindset of you know if you work hard you can achieve something and then to suddenly be told you can't have this thing that you've always imagined in life you'd be able to have that is something that's so important to you I just felt I mean first of all I felt like such a failure I know that sounds stupid but it's something I wanted to have so much I wanted to give to my husband so much and to be told that it's something I couldn't do I felt like like I was less of a person then I also just felt I felt like I had this grief in my chest that I couldn't really explain and it was like my chest felt like it was like I was carrying this weight of not being able to do this this thing that was so important and I think the thing I found really hard was that nobody else really got it I think that I think one of the hardest things about having fertility struggles is that people who are able to conceive you know very easily really have no concept of how how difficult it is and how much it can affect your whole you know your whole being and how often you know it's all you can think about you know when you're told you can't have children when you can't, when you're going through IVF you know you see pregnant people everywhere you, and you know you see baby stuff everywhere and you get baby announcements on social media and it's so hard yeah and it, I think it's impossible to explain to someone that's not been through been through it just how much it it hurts and it is not that you're not pleased for other people of course you are you know you're delighted for them but you know how much of a how difficult it is to kind of carry that carry that with you and yeah. I, I think as a woman it's such a it's such a part of who you imagine you'll be you know that's you know why we, why we are women to be able to conceive and and give birth and yeah it's something that is really really difficult I think for anyone to go through yeah it is and I guess with that as well, with dealing with all of that emotion of trying to conceive, other family members, friends conceiving, going through treatment, as well as doing all of that, you're building this business. How did you find that? Because I do a lot of work w- within the industry and within um, corporate organisations, supporting organisations when they are with to, to support their employees better on a fertility journey this is your own business so it was you it's it you are your business so how did you juggle that oh, this is a really good question because I think if I was in my old life in my corporate job I, I don't know how the last the last few years would have gone I don't I genuinely don't know how the company I work for would have reacted to it um because as anybody knows who's have to go through fertility investigations or through IVF it's so time consuming and you know, emotionally and physically, you do need quite a lot of, you know, support from those around you. I feel very lucky that I do have my own business. I mean, in some ways, it's harder because I have to show up. I have, you know, nothing happens, you know, without me in a way, I know, I can't just put my out of office on and, and disappear. But um, in some ways, it's it's been, been a good thing, because I made the decision that I was going to be very honest with my team. And very honest about everything that was happening you know every time I started around I, I told them I explained what was happening I you know been able to be have work flexibly so if I needed to go I need to go for a scan a lot of scans a lot of bloods you know I'm able to take that time out and pick the hours up if I if I need to so in some ways I think it's been quite good because it's basically meant that I've had the flexibility to work the hours I need to work but also manage the fertility processes 
but in some ways, yes, it has been harder because, I mean, for the miscarriages, I would have, some of the miscarriages I had were awful and I would have, you know, made my team member have one to two weeks off. I would not have wanted them to come in. But, you know, I felt I had to be back at work, you know, so I'd be having a general anaesthetic and then I'd be working, you know. So it's, it's that real difficult balance, isn't it? But I completely understand that because I know if I'm ill, everything stops. You know, it, it's so difficult. I think I got into the mindset of because I because I've done it so many times it sounds terrible. I you know I almost had to just get on with it. But you know I I was I you know I was very honest. I did take the time where I needed to take the time out. I mean so, I mean some of the miscarriages were worse than others, but if I needed the time, I needed the time, and I did you know I just I did say that I did have time out. And have you found the benefit of? being honest with your team because oh hugely if you're sharing what has gone on with you then presumably they will feel more confident to share what what life event might be going on with them because let's not forget it doesn't have to be fertility it could be caring for a family member Mm. so many other life events that occur in our life depending on the age that you are that can impact on your ability to show up at work to be yourself at work to be productive impact on retention so how you know have you found the benefit of being honest as the leader and what that has had to your team I think definitely when I when I did my old job you know when I started my career many years ago now it was very much putting a brave face get on with it you know you you don't share personal stuff but what I found is that it gives people a different side to you as a leader you know they see you're a real person you know it's you know, everyone has got stuffed. Everyone's got stuff. Everyone's got things going on in their life. You know, I'm quite an emotional person as well. Like, you know, if I need to cry, I'm happy. I will cry in front of people. I'm not ashamed to do that. You know, and it has been, it has definitely been moments where I have had to. I've cried in front of my team because it's been, you know, it's been a lot. And you know, my dad being so ill at the same time is, was mm. really hard. But it, it, it has meant that people have been more forthcoming within my team about things that are going on in their lives and that might be mental health things or it might be physical things or it might be stuff that's going on with their family and actually I did have a team member um after I'd been through some of this go through IVF themselves and actually go through it at the same clinic as me and my approach to that was wildly different than if I hadn't been through it myself um I you know I was able to I you know knew what that individual needed emotionally from a time perspective, I wanted them to have as much time as they needed, um, you know, much time as they needed for the appointments. We actually didn't have a maternity policy at that play- point. So we we had a we put had a really good maternity policy that we put in place, which involves full pay and um, you know as much time as you need for fertility appointments and things and things like that. That I I wouldn't really have had the awareness or understanding to do, and. I think for the people that are going through it, it does make a real a real difference because it ultimately it doesn't affect your ability to want to work or show up or contribute. It's just something that you're having to carry and, and go through and you just need the support. That's that's really the thing. You just need somebody to get it. And... You're absolutely right. And all the kind of evidence and research that has been done into fertility in the workplace really indicates um, that the line manager is crucial. So your line manager Mm. is the pivotal person. So if they are supportive, then that makes such a difference to your overall 
fertility journey and your overall emotional health during that fertility mm. journey. You know, that's the evidence. So we can't argue with that. You know, that's there. Um, so it's fantastic that you've been able to share your experiences for the for the benefit of your team, whether it be fertility or mental health issues. Mm. Or you know, that, that's amazing. As a result of your journey, and you alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, you've developed a beautiful IVF journal, I hear. I have, I have, yeah. So I, I think one of the things for me, I did, I did, I don't know about other people who've been through this, but I found IVF so overwhelming at times, and I think that's partly the hormones, that's partly how much information you've got to take on board. I think it's just the process of you know knowing what's happening and the hope you're carrying, and then going through it all. And the thing that really, really helped me was writing stuff down and. Um, you know, I'd have days where I just felt really overwhelmed. I just needed to write down how I was feeling or or just writing down what I needed to, to remember to inject myself mm-hmm. with when, when all the appointments were. Stupid things like I just forget would forget what side of my body I'd done certain injections and then you've got to do, you know, I just, it, there was so much to take on board. And what I found with the IVF is that you, you have your kind of coordination appointment, your booking appointment, and they tell you all this stuff and then they expect you just to go away and remember it all. And <laughs> no one phones you up and says, oh, hey, how are you getting on? You know, are you remembering to put this one in the fridge? You're like, no one tells you. They just sort of expect they expect you to do it. Yeah. So I had various notebooks and things, you know, lying around where I'd scribble stuff down. And I, I started to do a bit of, you know, regular journaling and the bits that were hard, you know, the the two-week wait and the, the run-up to the scans. I was writing stuff down because I needed just to process how I was feeling. And I when I... When I um, I knew that I wanted to create something that would help other people, but I have to say I was not in the place to be able to do it. It was only once I had reached this pregnancy and I got into the second trimester Mm -hmm. where I thought, gosh, this might be happening, that I was able actually to be in a mental state to think, right, I want to put all this together now and and, and create something for other people because I found it too hard to do before then. Um, But so the start of this year, I started to work on it. Um, I had a look in the market and there just wasn't really anything that I would want to buy that really, really fulfilled what I was trying to create. And so what 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 it is, it's, it's called the IVF journal. It's personalized. So you can add someone's name onto it or a couple's names. It works okay, whether yeah. you, yeah, so you can give it to somebody as a gift if you know that they're going through this or you can buy it for yourself. It works whether you're going through it alone. So if you're doing it with a sperm donor or you're going through it with a partner, and it's really designed to be there every step of the way it's got lots of practical stuff in for every step of the IVF process and it's also really importantly got stuff in to help you look after yourself so it doesn't give you the protocols you have to fill your own protocol and your own medicines in but it's got the framework for you to be able to do that Um, and the bit that we do give people is some 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 tips to look after themselves um, and a really nice framework to be able to write how you're feeling at certain steps, you know, to, to, to make sure you are looking after yourself. So I think that was the thing that I found was you really do need to take care, you know, because it's a lot and it's silly things that I only found out once I'd gone through several rounds, like drinking water makes such a big difference to the outcome. Having, you know, having, making sure you're eating enough protein, getting enough sleep, all these things, they're small things, but they do really affect the outcome and just making sure that you create the space to look after yourself. And it's just a beautiful product, first of all, and it's just really helpful. And I, I, (laughs) this sounds so stupid, but when I, when we finished mapping it out and um, there's a girl on my team that helped 
me kind of work out all the different steps I wanted to put in I looked at it and I and I burst into tears and I and I and I said this would have helped me so much it's just such a lovely product and 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 there's a at the start there's an introduction from me and there's a little note from me at the end as well which hopefully will help help people as well but I've, I've been really blown away we only launched it two weeks ago by messages from people I've been blown away by by the number of people that have bought it which I really wasn't expecting and people saying how much it's going to help them and also what I have been really surprised by is the number of people that have come forward privately and shared their own stories with me you know they haven't really felt that able to do that before and I've actually been really humbled humbled to 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 speak to a lot of people who are on this journey as as well and it's only really clarified what I thought, which is that so many women just go through this and don't talk about it. So it's designed to be there for you every step of the way, you know, if you don't have someone to talk to, or even if you do have someone to talk to, it help you process the roller coaster of emotions and things you you go on um, through the wow. process. Amazing. It sounds like a fantastic resource and I will put all the links in the show notes. Oh, thank you, Kate. That's um, really kind. People can find it. Um, and, you know, please do go and check out Martha's beautiful Instagram. Um, you can also find Martha clearly on um, online. And again, we'll make sure I put all the links onto that as well so that you can go and look at the beautiful stationery. And if you're not a stationery addict yet, you will be by the time you finish perusing the website because it's so stunning. Oh, um, you're so kind. Thank you so much. I genuinely mean it. But Martha, thank you so, so much for um, being open to coming onto the podcast, explaining your story um, and telling us about the IVF journal. I, I absolutely know it's going to be an amazing resource for people. So thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And if, if anybody has any questions at all, do always feel free to send a DM on Instagram. I'm always happy to chat. Well, I have to confess, I was proper girl fanning there. I absolutely love everything about Martha's stationery as I kept saying um it's so lovely so please do go and check it out if you're a bit of a journal and notebook sucker like me it's absolutely glorious but what an amazing resource she's developed I really like the fact that it's a mix of somewhere that you can perhaps write down your thoughts and feelings as well as really being somewhere that you can get practical tips from as well I really like that mix and I can see it being a fantastic blend of support so I'm really hoping that if you're going through an IVF journey that you will find that that's an added resource that you can add and I always talk about having a bucket full of different types of port networks or support avenues or resources that you can just dip into when you need to and it's your kind of like support strategy there has to be lots and lots of different things in your support strategy so not you, you can't just rely on your partner you need to have maybe friends family other members potentially professional support resources that you can really tap into it because your needs are different at different times, whether it's different aspects of your fertility journey, going through treatment, perhaps trying naturally, whatever it might be, but also your different emotional states. So I'm really hoping that you'll find this resource a really added extra to anything else that you're doing. And like I said, it's all going to be, all the details are going to be in the show notes. So do check it out. Anyway, thank you for listening and we'll be back again in two weeks. Bye for now.
please do rate and review the podcast as it's brilliant for other people to know what you think. Even just hitting follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast really helps other people know it's worth a listen. Also follow Kate on her Insta, which is Your Fertility Nurse. And if you'd like to book in a consultation with Kate to understand more about your fertility and reproductive health, visit yourfertilityjourney.com. 